welcome to the C3 Camden podcast. For more information about our church, please visit www.c3camden.church. We are so thrilled that you're listening today and we hope you enjoy the message. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you. Do you mind if I... My, I just got my OCD. I just need to fix the curtain <laughs> at the back here. Is that okay? Did anyone else notice that or was it just me? Yeah, there's a few nods up the back. Is that better? No. Thank you, Mick. Who loves Mick Brownlee? Oh, so good. You could try an air dryer or you could try a hair fryer if you wanted to. That would work as well. A hair fryer. Well, good afternoon. How are you doing? You okay? It's good to see you. So many of you here today. We are in for a treat. I really believe, I've been praying uh, during the course of this week that, that today in this place, in the next little while, that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to move and bring refreshment and bring life to you. Uh, if you're a bit thirsty, if you're a bit dry, if you're in need of a fresh encounter with Jesus, you've come to the right place today. If you're online, you're going to hear, have a chance to hear the devotions that we're going to share. But before we have a prayer ministry time, we'll be saying farewell to you guys. Um, we'll shut down the live stream at that point. And if you want to join next week, come and be in the house. Come and be with us as we encounter Jesus here. But I'm going to stay online while we do the devotion. And uh, over the next several weeks, I don't know exactly how long yet. We'll wait and see what God will do. We really wanted to just take a bit of a break. And we've kind of formed up a series that we're just simply calling Encounters with Jesus. Encounters with Jesus. And so our different speakers will be taking uh, time over the next few weeks just to unpack uh, some times when Jesus encounters people. Uh, because I believe that he wants to encounter us where we're at, yeah? He wants to come, like Mick said, let go and let God encounter us where we are at. So that's what we're going to do in a few minutes. But I do, I do want to mention a couple of things leading into that. The first thing is I thought it'd be good to just share a good news report and a thank you report to our Elevate team. Speaking about LCV, our Elevate team, which uh, consists of Daniel, who's, where's Daniel? There's Daniel. We've got, Kim's right next to Daniel. And I think Janita's probably with the kids at the moment. But Kim and Daniel and Janita helped amicably by um, by Emma and Phil and Kim, who helped with the barbecue, they have just over over the last several months, they've been working with a whole stack of kids in our community around about this area, uh, putting together a performance for Wakakiri. Has anyone ever heard of Wakakiri? Except for the people who've been there, but we know about Wakakiri because our son performed in Wakakiri. It's a national competition. It kind of replaced the old Rockersteadford. Does anyone remember Rockersteadford from those days? Uh, that my age, my generation. It kind of replaced that dance and drama and music and all that. And so my son competed in it for Mountain and Christian College a few years ago and actually won the competition nationally at that, that particular year. Um, but uh, Daniel and the team, I was talking to Daniel, I was saying part of him wants to go on and get get them into the next round, but part of them, they're so exhausted, they don't want to go into the next round. So they don't have to keep backing up week after week. So we just wanted to thank you guys for all your hard work. Um, they, they've been working with, with students for what, four, five, six months now, uh, two after one or two afternoons a week at times, preparing for this massive presentation with all these kids, high school kids and primary kids. And so thank you. Can we thank the team? That's phenomenal effort. Um, and that's just a simple way in which we can serve our community and, and be a blessing beyond the walls of the church. Yeah. So we just want to thank you for that. We know it was a lot of work and uh, we honour you and thank you for that. 
also wanted to let you know next Sunday we're going to mix it up a bit. Is that okay? So uh, we've just we've just been finalising the details, and, and uh, we'll let you know this week um, if you don't receive our church emails come and chat to them out in the hub just outside the door where you register when you walk in the door afterwards make sure we have your up-to-date details because we'll send out a weekly email with details but what we're going to do next Sunday being Father's Day and all that is around that we are going to mix it up a bit the band's going to stay on stage but we're not going to have a kids and youth ministry we're going to bring everyone inside we're going to set some tables up in the middle we're going to have our worship time with kids and family and youth together then we're going to eat pizza and you can listen to me share a devotion does that sound all right I don't know how much listening you'll do versus how much eating you'll do but we're just going to set the tables up. We're going to pray for Mari next Sunday because she's heading off to Africa to do mission work again. So we're going to pray for her next Sunday. And uh, we're just going to set, we're just going to eat some pizza and have a bit of a fellowship, hang out, kind of eat food and connect time. Is that all right? So don't miss next week. Um, we may decide that we need to re- re-register you so we get enough pizza. I don't know how we'll do that. Either that or we'll just be stocking up on pizza. We haven't worked out all the plans yet. We're, we're flexible. Are you flexible? Okay, good. Stay with us. We'll let you know the details, but that's the plan. So bring your family along, eat pizza, and we'll just do a bit of a a connection, a different kind of of, uh, time next week as well. All right, so let's uh, let's spend a bit of time in in God's Word. I've got three passages here, and I've got a few highlights, but really what this time is about in the next few minutes is I just want to let the Scriptures speak to us. So, yes, I will comment. I'm a Bible teacher. I can't help myself. Even if I try not to comment and just read it, I'll find myself commenting. But, but I really want to encourage you to tune into the Scriptures. As we read these stories, I want you to place yourself in the story. Be one of the crowd. Be one of the people that Jesus is interacting with. Imagine what it would be like to be there with Jesus, the Son of God. And the reason it's good to do that is because that's what Jesus does with us. We may not be in the same physical proximity in the region of Galilee 2,000 years ago, but we are here together in God's house. We've been singing today about being in God's house. And Jesus turns up among his people. It's his promise. When we gather together, he turns up. That's why live stream is wonderful. It's great that you can join us, but it's not the same as being in God's house. We love the fact, we understand the fact that there are people who are unwell and whatever, and it's been great to have that. But let me encourage you, if if it's sometime since you've been in God's house among God's people, why don't you make a decision and say, I'm going to come back into God's house. I'm going to start to gather again. Because friends, there's an incarnational presence of God. Jesus shows up when people gather together. We can listen to a preacher online. You can listen to a podcast online. But there's something special about being together among God's people. And so today we're going to experience that. We're going to encounter Jesus. When we gather, Hebrews tells us, we gather in his presence. And we don't just come to a room in a school. As nice as this, it's a nice auditorium, isn't it? It's a nice auditorium. As far as school auditoriums go, you don't get much better than this. But we don't just come to Spring Farm Public School. Hebrews tells us we come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We come to Mount Zion. We come to thousands upon thousands of angels, it says, in joyful assembly. I wonder if you can see that with your mind's eye. Sometimes you've got to switch off your eyes. Maybe even just close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to find those words. This is what happens, Jake. I'm just going to be all over the place because we're going to let the Holy Spirit move. So who thinks Jake's doing a good job of just uh, helping us behind the scenes there? Thanks, Jake. Do an amazing job, mate. Hebrews, I think it's chapter 10. But I don't know. You guys won't have it on screen. You can just listen along. Let's see if it's chapter 10. 
It might be chapter 11. No, it's not chapter 11. It can't be chapter 11. you think the pastor would know where I was trying to go. Just close your eyes for a minute. That'll give me time to find it. Just picture yourself. Because trust me, that's what it says. It says you've come to Jerusalem. I'm sure it was chapter 10. I just can't see it there. No, can't find it. Let me read it to you. Let me requote it. Do you know where it is, Phil? No, okay. I'm just going to quote it from the book of Rowan, the Rowan version. Is that okay? Close your eyes. 12. Thank you. I was two chapters too early. Hebrews 12, what? You, uh, yeah, that's it. Chap, you've got it. Let's go to start. Okay. We're going to start with chap, verse 18. It says, You haven't just come to a physical mountain, talking about Mount Sinai with all the smoke, and you haven't come to that mountain, Mount Sinai, where the Jews went in the desert, to a place of flaming fire and darkness and gloom and whirlwind as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. He's talking about when we gather together as God's people. That's the context. They heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking because it seemed so overwhelming. His presence was so overwhelming. They staggered back under the command of God. Even Moses was frightened by the presence of God, it says. And he said, I'm terrified and trembling. But then the writer to the Hebrews says, no, it's not like that when you come to church. When you gather together with the saints, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. I wonder if you can see that with your mind's eye. That's what happens when we gather together as God's people. You have come not only to angels, you've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children. We're actually gathered here in this moment with all the saints throughout all the ages that have gone before. We are one in unity with them. And not only have you come to the angels and to the saints, you have actually come to God Himself, who's the judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of righteous ones in heaven who've been made perfect. And you've come to Jesus, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and the people, and who speaks of forgiveness instead of vengeance. You see, friends, when you come to this place, when we gather together as God's people, somehow, miraculously, we're transformed from Spring Farm Public School to the presence of the almighty King of the universe. Let's not lose sight of that. It's good to remind ourselves of that. We come to an encounter with Jesus Christ, the one who with a word spoke the stars into existence. Who's been watch, looking at any of those pictures of the James Webb telescope? How cool is that? And I just, I just see the heavens declare, declare the glory of God, Psalm says. That's the one that we meet. He's the one we meet in this place, Jesus, today. And so as we look at these passages where people have encountered Jesus, I want you to be thinking about that one. Because when we encounter Jesus who made the heavens and the earth, our problems fade into insignificance because He is so much greater than our problems. Today, we're going to encounter Him in that way. And so what I want to do is just take a look through 
very quickly a few passages where Jesus encounters people. And just like Mick told me before the service, just five minutes before the service, that the Lord had laid upon him on, upon his heart to share what he shared at the start of the service today about letting go and letting God. And that, Michael, that was so profound because that's exactly what I felt. I didn't use those words, but what I wanted to share with you today is God will meet you where you're at. Jesus does not expect you to get yourself sorted out. He wants to come and find you where you're at. He will go out of his way to meet you. He doesn't stay up in heaven saying, you come to me and get yourself sorted out, then I'll meet you. No, Jesus left heaven and came to earth into the mess to meet us. And in this story that we're going to look at in John chapter 4, we see that Jesus went out of the way just to meet one woman. One woman who needed an encounter with the Son of God. And he went out of his way. So we're going to read a few verses here from John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Jesus knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Jesus was in Jerusalem, down south at this time. It wasn't him baptizing them, but it was his disciples. So because the Pharisees were starting to get a bit edgy with him, he said, it's time for me to leave Jerusalem and head north. He left Judea and he returned to Galilee, up in the north of Israel. Verse 4 says he had to go through Samaria on the way. This is such an intentional and powerful thing because John tells us that Jesus had to go through Samaria. And if you look at a map, you would think that Jesus had to go through Samaria. But one thing you need to know is that Jews did not go through Samaria. In fact, they missed deliberately, went out of their way to miss Samaria because Jews don't associate with Samaritans. They would actually take a longer journey to avoid going through Samaria. It was a longer journey, but in many ways it was an easier journey because they would follow the Jordan River. They would head west, they would head east from Jerusalem. So if Jerusalem's over here, they would head east to the Jordan River. And they would follow the Jordan River north into the Sea of Galilee and into Galilee. So they actually went like that. Samaria's over here. They went around Samaria. Two reasons. One, they wanted to avoid hanging out with meeting with Samaritans. But secondly, because it was a hilly road path. It was a shorter path, but it was a hilly path. They would avoid that by taking a longer distance. And yet John tells us Jesus had to go through Samaria. The reason he had to go through Samaria was because he had to meet someone. He went out of his way on a bumpy road into a place that Jews would not normally go because he wanted to meet someone. He was on a mission. Friends, you might feel like you're out of God's way today. You're out of the way. My word to you today is that God might well, through Jesus, be out going out of his way to meet you where you're at. Don't think that you're in Samaria and God isn't interested in you. It says, verse 5, Eventually he came to a Samaritan village near Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. This was a well that in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, that Jacob, way back, this is like 1,500 years before this, Jacob had made this well of water and it was still producing water. In fact, it's still there today. It still produces water today. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, could you please give me a drink? And he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. A little bit of context. Women normally didn't go to the well in the middle of the day. Women would go to well in the cool of the day, in the morning and the evening. This woman was not accepted in her community. She had a lifestyle that was not accepted. 
She would not be one that the community would think, oh, she's one that God's got his hand on. I just love the fact that God goes after those that the community thinks people think are outcasts. That's the heart of our Jesus. Friends, you're not beyond reach. You might think, I haven't got it. I can't do this or I haven't got that. You're just in the right place to meet Jesus. So in the middle of the day, Jesus goes there and starts this conversation with this woman. And it says in verse, uh, uh, where are we up to? Verse 9, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And she said to Jesus, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you even talking to me? That's not what you Jews do. You snobby Jews, you don't talk to us. And Jesus replied with this strange conversation. I haven't got time to go into all of it. He says, if you really knew the gift of God that God has for you and who you were speaking to, I wouldn't be asking you for a drink. You'd be asking me for a drink. And I would give you living water, living water. Stick with that word because we're going to come back to it. Living water. What does that mean? But sir, you haven't got a rope or a bucket. You can't get down into that well. And it's a very deep well. Where are you going to get this living water? Besides, who do you think you are? Is what she says. Who do, you th- do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? We revere him because he provided this well. We are partly descended from him. He's our ancestor. Who do you think you are? How can you offer better water than he gave to his sons that his sons and animals enjoyed? Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water in this well will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It will become a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. I love this picture. Jesus is mixing analogies here. In one hand, he's talking about living water. But in another hand, he's actually hearkening all the way back to the story in the Garden of Eden, where he talks about the tree, where it talks about the tree of life. Because of human sin, they were barred from the tree of life, that they, they were not able to partake of this tree because of their sin had separated them from God, and they couldn't partake of this tree, which was this eternal life. It was this bubbling life on the inside of them. The, the picture was that they would always be able to eat from a tree that would give them this life. Jesus says, hey, you know that tree in the garden? You know this water that I'm offering? It's one and the same thing. And if you will drink of me, if you will drink of my water, and it's not just a one-time drink. The picture in the book of Genesis was that, they, that the tree, God's plan was that this tree of life would always be available. They could just eat of it whenever they wanted. Friends, you don't just drink of Jesus once. It's not like that. That's not what Jesus is saying. It's a continual drinking, not a one-time drinking. And I love that because maybe once you drank from the living water of Jesus, but lately, it's been a while since you've drank of the living water. Do you know that if you follow Jesus, there is an access to living water? Today, you can take a drink of that water. The tree of life is open. You can come and drink of eternal life. You can have a refreshment in your soul that you'll never be thirsty again. Life will happen. Life will make you feel thirsty. But you have open access to the living water that Jesus provides. You can live with that. You can experience a water that will well up inside you. 
so that no matter how dry and barren things seem in your life around you, you have access to a reservoir of water that has nothing to do with how barren things are around you because it's a spiritual life-giving well. I just thought of a, a painting. We had a lady in our church in Canberra who painted a picture for me many years ago. I haven't thought about this for a long time. This artwork, and she called it Rowan's Well. And what she saw was that the Lord was using me. And this picture, this painting was a well, a regular round brick well. But before it got to the ground, the bricks stopped and then it was just um, water all the way to the ground. So there's a bit of ground to water and then Rowan's well. And she said, the Lord showed me that what the Lord is drawing out of you is eternal life. And in the years to come, you're going to give that water away. Not because you have it yourself, but you're drawing it out of you and giving it to others. I don't know why the Lord brought that to my mind right now. Nothing to do with Pastor Rowan. It's to do with the fact God wants to draw through me to you today. Living water. If you're thirsty, come and drink. Have, you have access to it. Jesus will go out of his way to find space for you. Another story. It's found in Luke chapter 8. Another time when Jesus goes out of his way to meet someone and encounter them. Really well and truly out of his way. Just like he wouldn't go, to, normally they wouldn't go to Samaritans to meet them. They also wouldn't go to this part of the Sea of Galilee either, over on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Verse 8, uh, verse 22 in Luke 8 says, One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. Let's cross over. Not In Jesus' mind, it was settled. We're on this side, we're going over there. Let's cross over. When Jesus says something, it's done in his deal. It's a done deal. Jesus basically was a promise. Hey guys, we're going to go over there. Let's cross over to the other side of the lake. In fact, just like the Jews don't go through Samaritans, the Jews did not go over to that side of the lake. They do today, but in ancient times, during the time of Jesus, the Jews lived on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee and the eastern shore was full of pagans. It was full of Romans and it was a place of uncleanness to the Jews. So they wouldn't go over that side. But Jesus decides, I've got to go over there. Let's go over to the other side of the lake. And they sailed across. I'm sure they were thinking, what are we, what are we going over here for? We don't normally, we stick to the western shore. We don't head over there where all those people are. But nonetheless, they got into the boat probably figured out by now, you might as well do what Jesus says. They started out, and as they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. Thanks, Jesus. But then a fierce storm came down on the lake. Believe me, fierce storms do come down on Lake Galilee. Jill, Jesus, Jill nearly drowned in a fierce storm on the Lake Galilee. It was like, it was mid-afternoon, late afternoon, and we had like a two-meter swell in an inland lake. It just came out of nowhere, didn't it? It was just fierce storms, the way it's shaped. Came up, whipped it up on the lake, this fierce storm came down on the lake and the boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. Do you, do you know that life has storms like that come out of nowhere? Have you noticed lately just how it can be sunny one moment and for some reason it's just raining the next? Have you noticed that? Over the, I there's no wind. I don't know where this cloud's coming from. It's like that. Life's like that. You can be fine one minute and suddenly a storm hits. But if Jesus said, friends, that he's going to take you to the other side of the lake, you need to know he's going to take you to the other side of the lake. He's going to get you there. He's going to take you through the storms you're on and bring you to the other side. The disciples went and woke him up and shouted, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And Jesus woke up and rebuked the wind and the waves. Suddenly the storm was stopped and it was all calm. He said, where is your faith? Why would he say that? Because he said, let's go to the other side. Some of you got a word from God. You've had a word, a promise from God. But then you're in the middle of a storm right now. God wants to remind you of the promise. He will get you through this storm. 
You may have to go through the storm. You may have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But in that place, His promise is still that He will comfort you. He will bring you through the storm. And it may not be, and often isn't the way we would like. But in and through the storms, He will shape you and He will make you the person He wants you to be. It's through adversity, through the crucible of challenge, disappointment, letdown, hurt, uncertainty, that as we say, God, you said you were going to bring me through this, that he will shape you into something. It's not a promise that immediately every storm will go away. I always say, I can't promise that. But I can promise that Jesus promises that he will be with you in the storm. He's in the boat with you. And he will walk you through this. And when he's ready, he'll bring you out of the storm. That's up to his timing. But he will be with you. He will comfort you. He will provide you with living water in the storm. So eventually, verse 26, they arrived in the region of Gerasenes on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee where no one goes across the lake from the region of Galilee. And as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man possessed by demons, this is a weird story, he came out to meet him for a long time. This man had been homeless and naked and living in tombs outside the town. This is a picture of a man in a very sad way. No one was accepting him. He felt like an outcast. He felt like no one understood him. He had to live outside from everyone else, away from everybody else. He was misunderstood. He was causing havoc. He was messed up man in so many ways. Maybe you feel a little bit homeless. Maybe you feel like you don't have a spiritual home. Maybe you feel like where is God in my life? Maybe you feel like naked, a bit, a bit vulnerable, a bit like, what, you know, I'm exposed to the world right now. Maybe you feel like you're on the outer. Well, friends, Jesus will travel across a lake through a storm to reach you if that's where you're at. He won't leave you there. He was on a mission to find this man. This man was well known. Everyone around the region knew about this man. He had a reputation. And maybe someone told Jesus and Jesus said one day, hey, guys, where to go across the lake? So Jesus goes across the lake meets this man. And as soon as the man saw Jesus, verse 28, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. And then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most, most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit would often take control of the man, even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles. He simply broke them, rushed away like a crazy man into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. I'm not going to get into any demon stuff today. That's a whole different story. I want you to think about this man and where he was at and what he was facing and the torment that he was facing and the outcast and the disappointment and the letdown that no doubt brought him to this point. And the demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of, unfortunate for the pigs, feeding on the hillside nearby. And the demons begged them to go into the pigs. And Jesus gave them permission. Demons rushed out of the man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged over the steep hillside into the lake. Weird story. Weird story. But I love this. Let's park that bit for a minute. When the herdsmen saw that, they flew away into the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what happened. What happened to all these pigs? A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. Notice this contrast, the great contrast between this man who couldn't be chained, was naked, was crazy, who's outcast from society, they come back and they see this man who they knew well. I love this. He was sitting, instead of being running crazy, he was sitting at Jesus' feet. He was fully clothed. 
and perfectly sane. A man who was so broken, so lost, so hurting, without hope, misunderstood, stuffed up his life, seemingly without hope. Jesus went out of his way to cross a lake through a storm to meet that man, deliver him, and his life was turned around. He went from crazy, running around, naked, no one can constrain him, to sitting, clothed at Jesus' feet. One encounter with Jesus. And here's what Jesus does. I'm going to look at it. Jesus heals this man. Do you know what he does after that? You'd think he would go off and preach in those regions, all around the towns in that region, the Decapolis, all these 10 towns. No, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus gets straight back in the boat and goes straight back across to the side of the lake where he came from. Jesus went right across the lake to encounter that man. Got in his boat and said, my job's done here, and off he went. Jesus will go out of his way to meet you, friends, right where you're at, whatever you're encountering. One last message. We might get our band to come and join us as we look at this last story. And then we'll close our, our live stream down. And I really want to create space in the next uh, 10, 15 minutes. I'd love to pray with you. If today, you need a fresh encounter with Jesus. He's here. It's, I'm going to pray with you. Not because as a pastor, I'm anybody special. That's not what it's about. It's about the fact that together we can agree as touching something. We can agree as being a vessel, a conduit for God's living water to touch you, wherever you're at. If you're thirsty, his invitation is come and drink. He said that to the woman at the well, and he says it to these crowds in this story in John chapter 7. It says, after this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea because the crowds were trying to kill him. The Jewish leaders were plotting his death. So he was up north. He was trying to avoid going to Jerusalem. But soon it was the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers said, why don't you leave here and go to Judea? Go and hang out with the crowds because that's where your followers, let your followers see all these miracles that you're doing. You can't become famous if you hide in the back streets of Galilee. Get down into Jerusalem, Jesus. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. Because the brothers were saying this because even they didn't get it. They did, at this point, his own brothers didn't understand who Jesus was. And Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go. I'm not going to go to this festival because my time has not yet come. And so presumably the brothers left. And after saying things, after saying this, Jesus stayed in Galilee. Verse 10. But after his brothers left for the festival, Jesus decided he would also go secretly. Maybe he took the secret road through Samaria to stay off track. Maybe he was just wearing a hood over his, like you see in the movies, to try and stay in, incognito. But Jesus went secretly, staying out of public view. Why would he do that? Because he had a, a, a specific encounter in mind. He didn't want to show up before his opportunity to encounter the people the way he wanted to. And so there's crowds and throngs of people. You can read in the next few verses, the crowds of people in the temple at this feast. We're going to skip down to verse 37, which says, On the last day, at the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up in the middle of the crowds. This is the same Jesus said, it's not my time. I'm not going yet. But he shows up in time for the last day. And he stands up 
in among the crowds and He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the Scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from His heart. When Jesus said living water, He was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in Him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered His glory. Here's what was happening, friends. In fact, why don't you stand? Here's what was happening in that moment. It was a very significant moment. I haven't got anywhere near enough time to go into it. But what was happening was at that moment, in that feast, there was a special, uh, a special ritual taking place where they were pouring out water on the altar as a symbol of the Spirit of God, of God's living water. And it was a very significant moment on the last day, the climax of the festival, where they would acknowledge God's source of life to them. And Jesus waited until that very moment to stand up. The picture that John, you might not get, but John wants you to know is, it was as the high priest is pouring out this ceremonial water and everyone's going, ooh, ah, the presence of God. It was like Jesus cut right across that moment and said, hey, you know what you're worshipping? I am that one you're worshipping. You want living water? I am living water. I am the source of everything you're worshipping. I am the source of life. If you really want eternal life, come to me. Drink of me. Like he said to the woman, come and drink. Anyone who is thirsty, come and drink. And then John, who writes this, sort of whispers in your ear as a, as a, in a narrative. You know, sometimes like when you're reading a book and the narrator will tell you a little bit that's not in the story. He says, by the way, what he meant when he said living water is actually meant the Holy Spirit. And you know that now because Jesus has now entered his glory and he sent the Holy Spirit. But they didn't know that at the time. This was a promise. John's saying, if you now, after Jesus has entered his glory, if you're thirsty, come and drink and receive of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to close our service by declaring and creating space for the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're dry. Maybe you're thirsty. Jesus' invitation to you today is, if anyone is thirsty, come and drink. Maybe you're watching online. We're going to close our service in just a moment. And you can do this. You can be on your own and just ask God to fill you. But friends, there's a wonderful thing about being in God's house together. So why don't you make a decision? Do what you can to come and gather with God's people. We're going to have more time in coming weeks to encounter Jesus and spend time receiving prayer, worshipping together. And He promises that He will come into this midst. So we're going to say say farewell to those of you that are watching online. Thank you for being with us to this week's message from our church. We pray that you feel empowered by what you've heard today. We hope that you can stay connected by following us online. You can find us at C3 Camden on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube or visit our website at www.c3camden.church.